This episode of Eat the Rules is brought to you by You on Fire. You on Fire is the online group coaching program that I run that gives you a step-by-step way of building up your self-worth beyond your appearance. With personalized coaching from me, incredible community support, and lifetime access to the program so that you can get free from body shame and live life on your own terms. Get details on what's included and sign up for the next cycle at summerinandin.com forward slash you on fire. I'd love to have you in that group. This is Eat the Rules, a podcast about body image, self-worth, anti-dieting and intersectional feminism. I am your host, Summer Inanin, a professionally trained coach specializing in body image, self-worth, and confidence, and the best-selling author of Body Image Remix. If you're ready to break free of societal standards and stop living behind the number on your scale, then you have come to the right place. Welcome to the show. This is episode 197, and I am interviewing Rachel Melenda, intuitive eating and body image coach and host of the Fill Your Cup podcast. We're talking about the influence of healthism on our relationship with food, how to tell if your health choices are disordered, and when it's the right time to focus on health and more. You can find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode at summerinandin.com forward slash 197. First, I want to give a shout out to Giver of Thy Advice, who left this simple and short review, another wonderful podcast full of intensity, truth and wisdom. Thank you. Thank you so much, Giver of Thy Advice. See, reviews can be really short. You can just say amazing, awesome. I love it. Uh, And it only takes a minute. All you have to do is go to iTunes and click ratings and reviews. Well, first search for eat the rules, then click ratings and reviews and then click to re- read a review. You can read the reviews while you're there. Click to leave a review. You can also help the show out by subscribing. You just hit that little button. It says subscribe and that helps so much. And lastly, don't forget to grab the free 10 day body confidence makeover at summerinandin.com forward slash freebies with 10 steps to take right now to feel better in your body. I was going to say, I don't know if you follow Sarah Silverman uh, on Instagram. She's one of my favorite comedians and um, she has a podcast and she like really hounds people for subscribing. Like she'll put up an Instagram post that's like, hit the fucking subscribe button, will you? (laughs) And I'm like, well, I should do that. (laughs) Maybe I need to be more aggressive with that. Uh, it's, it's, It's on like every one of her videos. It's at the end. She's like, all you need to do is just click that button. It takes two seconds. Come on. <laughs> so I'm going to like just pass that message over to you now. It really helps so when you hit subscribe. <laughs> it helps in the ratings. It helps keep this show going. It helps like move other diet culture focus podcasts lower in the rankings, um, which would be awesome because right now when you look at health and wellness, it's like all of these horrible like keto <laughs> podcasts and everything else. So yeah, that was just my thought. I I don't know that I wasn't planning on talking about that, but it was on my mind. And, uh, and also like my, my sinuses aren't as clogged anymore. This is like a miracle. They're still semi clogged because of allergies, but I feel like I can actually speak a little more eloquently now, which I'm very, very happy about. Um, this episode was actually recorded, uh, probably, mm, 
Yeah, you know, this is it was recorded, recorded a few months ago. And uh, sometimes I record interviews and just kind of keep them because I strategically sort of roll out interviews when I feel like it's a topic that maybe hasn't been discussed in a while or just, you know, in alignment with like other things that have been coming up. And anyways, it's a really great podcast. I think so many of us are focused on like we're concerned about our health when we when we take like an anti diet approach. And we think that, you know, anti diet means anti health health. And it can take a while to really redefine your relationship with health. Uh, Anti-diet does not mean anti-health. I mean, health is just so nuanced. It's really, it's not, you know, a lot of it's not in our control. Only a a small percentage of it is really um, influenced by the foods that we eat and how we move our body. Uh, And if you have come from like, kind of like that health focused background, which I certainly was like, really invested in, even though underneath all that was just, you know, wanting to lose weight. Um, If I got really honest with myself, then, uh, you know, it can take a while to really redefine your relationship with health, create a new relationship with it and be able to, you know, intentionally make choices to honor your health that don't uh, have a negative impact on your mental well being, and really factoring your mental well being into the equation. So I love this topic so much, because I think it's super important. And a lot of people are curious about this, um, because they think that that, you know, what's going to happen to my health or like, will I ever, you know, eat a salad again? And sometimes salad can be unhealthy because if you hate yourself while you're eating it or you're miserable and you wish you were eating a burger or you're underfeeding yourself, then that's not healthy either. But we talk about all that in this episode. So let's dive into it. Rachel Melenda is a Toronto-based intuitive eating and body image coach and host of the Failure Cup podcast on a mission to help women stop hating their bodies and feeling out of control around food. Rachel's non-restrictive intuitive eating approach to food has helped thousands of women put an end to emotional eating, binge eating, and disordered eating and find an effortless and enjoyable healthy way of eating and living. Let's get started with the show. Hi, Rachel. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so glad we finally can make this happen. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'd love you to start out by telling our listeners a little bit about your story and what brought you into this work. So let's fast forward like 20 years or so. Um, My whole journey started with an eating disorder, but I guess preceding that was more of like health nuttiness, you know, and at the meek age of however old you are in grade seven. Yeah, I was always very like health focus and conscious from a young age. And I think I was picking up a lot on like my environment at the time. My mom was like very into like counting calories and that sort of thing and spaghetti squash and low fat, that sort of thing. Anyways, that turned into an eating disorder and there was more into that. And I was also always a, I mean, I am tall, I'm 5'11". And so being in a taller body, um, a lot of people refer to as, oh, big, you're, you're so big now. And in this world, we're taught that big is bad. And so there's a lot of like programming that in the world that I like immersed myself in and then started to absorb. And then I was like, this is wrong. My body's wrong. And so essentially I was just at war with my body and food for a good decade. I call it my, um, 10 year career in chronic dieting and disordered eating. And The way I found myself out of it, the thing too, is like, I thought I was being healthy that whole time too, like living off of aspartame, everything. And again, um, like exercising as a form of punishment. And yeah, I always say the the way I kind of found my way out of it was through intuitive eating. I just didn't know it was intuitive eating and moving and living at the time. I had moved home from school and during school, like my, my binging was really bad. It was just really picking up and I moved home and I was living with my mom and it was the middle of summer here in Toronto. And Um, we all know how, like, well, many of us know, like how delicious, say 
a cucumber is in the middle of summer, right? And I remember biting into it being like, wow, this is, this is beautiful. This is really cool. And around that same time, I also started CrossFit. And if you've ever been into a CrossFit gym, you'll know that there's no mirrors or anything. And so it was very much focused on like what my body could do today that I couldn't do yesterday and what it can't do today that it could do yesterday. And those two things, like, you know, reuniting, like bringing pleasure back to food and turning to, I mean, at that time it was still kind of like whole foods. And over the years, it turned in more, more into like a all foods fit sort of mentality. And those two things were very pivotal in transforming my relationship with food. Shortly after that, I became a nutritionist, realized nutrition's pretty wild. And just, you know, just realized that like, look, there's a pattern I was noticing with my clients where a lot of them were struggling with emotional eating and that sort of thing. And I was like, I don't think people need to know more about nutrition. Like there's a ton of nutrition information out there. And there's a reason why people aren't where they want to be and aren't experiencing the health that's sold to them. And so I, I made the leap into the intuitive eating world. And now I help many women through my podcast, through my clients, through my Instagram to heal their relationship with food and, and find a way of eating, living and moving that feels juicy, effortless and enjoyable. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, your story is very similar to mine, except CrossFit sent me down a very dangerous path for a while. <laughs> um, but it's all kind of depends on where you go and who's kind of leading the charge in that one in that one space. But uh, yeah, I was lucky to kind of find my way away, away and then back into it in a much healthier way. But that's really good. And so I, you know, you speak a lot about like health, and I kind of put health in quotation marks because I think which we'll sort of talk about is you know the the sort of like formal definition of health often kind of leads us astray. But you speak to health from like a non diet perspective, and I'd love to know like what you notice sort of about health trends or the way health is talked about now in the mainstream that you find problematic. The thing away, and I, I love that you emphasize the health in quotations because it's hard to always like, I'm doing quotations behind the screens, but yeah, the way health is sold to us today is very much based in morality. Like it's not, it's like you are a good person if you ate the salad, Never mind how it feels in your body and if it makes you feel good, but like you are a good person if you do that. And it's that, it's that pursuit of health that people get lost in and just simply engaging in in health and people feeling like they're better or more worthy for doing that, that really makes health problematic and complicated because now it's not even about health, right? I don't know. I always put this in context. Like, you know how you hear those stories of like, oh, so-and-so lived to a hundred and their secret was eating a Twinkie every day. It's like, that's not that that's what it's all about. But like, at the end of the day, like health is supposed to be there as a tool to help us live. Well, it depends what you define health and what you want to use it as, but like live long, live a long life that is, that allows you to feel good in your body. And, you know, we've, we've made it something so much more than that. We've made it like, part of our status and identity. And, and that gets dangerous because, hey, the minute you have ice cream, like it sends you down the spiral. You're a bad person. And it encourages people to continue to turn to these these diets that are sold to us, which we we both know are very problematic. And you've talked about a ton in your podcast, which comes with a lot of psychological and physiological damage. So we really need to redefine like what is health? And I, I get everyone, all my clients to do this, like what is health to you? Like it's meant to be a tool in our toolkit, but how do you want to 
Like, what do you, what do you want it to be? What kind of tool do you want it to be in your life? But don't use it as something to, to live and die by because that's when it gets dangerous. Yeah. I think it's like, I think it gets complicated because we see it as like an outcome versus like behaviors, you know, like it's like, you know, health is really a series of sort of things that we do. And, and sometimes it's like often a lot of it's not even in our control because of genetics or environment or social status and things like that. And, um, but I feel like what's so harmful is this, you know, it's so outcome based. It's like, okay, well, I think it's really just a way we convince ourselves to like, focus on dieting without it being dieting because that's not so trendy anymore. Yeah. Like we all know like diets don't work and like it's, it's silly to do diets, but like people don't realize they're still engaging in, in diets in disguise under the name of quote unquote health. Yes. Yes. Like I haven't, this is up because I haven't had time today, but my, one of my colleagues, Julie Duffy Dillon, who's been on the podcast before, like she posted this meme about, I guess like goop was promoting a combination of, of like keto and intermittent fasting or something like that under the sort of like, under the sort of like I know. Well, it's, I, it's like just not eating essentially um, under the umbrella of health. Whereas, like, they had kind of come out and done this like piece on like how they are skewing a little bit more towards anti dieting. And it's just like, it's one of those things that I haven't looked it up. So I, I don't know exactly. Like, I'm literally just getting this from a meme that she put up. But it's one of those things that just makes your head explode because you're like, I know. I feel like I'm always like, what? Like, what is it now? <laughs> Tell us. Yeah, yeah. But that's it's the point, right? It's like, it's just, that's like a hardcore restrictive diet. And it's not healthy at all. So you talked a little bit about like your kind of obsession with health starting from your childhood. But I so I'd love to just kind of understand, you know, where do people's obsessions with health usually start from? Like, is it childhood? I often see it starting in childhood, like with all of my clients. And that's why I said like my health obsession turned into an eating disorder, but there was more to it because it wasn't just an obsession with health. The thing is because of the world that we live in today where, you know, diet culture is rampant, it's pervasive, everyone's immersed in it. A lot of these ideas are projected onto us as kids from teachers. I hear this a lot from, from my clients who are parents. Teachers are sharing it. It's in the media, um, parents, caregivers, everyone's projecting this diet culture. And when we're doing that, we're, we're projecting this, like, we're basically saying like, God forbid you end up being this way or else like you might not be accepted. Right. So if you're, I mean, almost all of my clients, we go back to a time in childhood where they were exposed to a message or told something about their body and they all remember it. Like they, they, that stuff sticks with you. And we go back to that one, that one message or belief and understand where, where it's coming from, like who said it to who. So, I mean, a, a common one that I've heard, unfortunately, a, a few times is no, no guy's going to love you if you're, if you're in a fatter body, right? If you're fat or if you gain weight. And so think of it like a kid, like, I mean, already that statement is just like, ugh, like it's so anger inducing and devastating, but think of it like a kid experiences that message from say from mom or dad and now it's like tied to that like need to say be thin is tied to a love source. Like not only is no one going to love me if, if I'm in a fatter body, but mom and dad aren't going to accept me and love me. And oh my gosh, now like my survival's is at, is at risk. And I always bring it back to like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which sometimes feels archaic, but like it's the foundation here. Like Maslow's hierarchy of needs talks about the human's needs and that love and belonging is like, it's not the very bottom one, but it's like right smack down there, which indicates that like, 
that need for love, belonging, and acceptance is a vital need. And if ever that's at risk, like that's terrifying to to the human brain, right? And so all of a sudden this pursuit of of weight loss and and thinness isn't just about weight loss and thinness. It's like I'm like I'm fighting for mom and dad. So my parents love here, you know? So yeah, that's often where where I see it start. Which, I mean, begs the question, like, why aren't we, um, this work needs to, I mean, I, I work with a lot of people after they've like been through the cycle because they need support, but we really need to start educating the younger generation on this sooner. Yeah, totally. Oh, that makes so much sense. And especially in the context of the of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, because you're right. Yeah, it is like one of the closer to the base for sure. So with that, like, take that, for example, you know, what are, if you have this sort of belief that's attached to kind of like, you know, the the choices I make around food are attached to like this much deeper meaning of like, you know, love and belonging and things like that. What are some ways that you recommend people or what are some things that you could suggest to people to like try to undo some of those beliefs that, that they really inherited from their parents or just, you know, from our culture? So it's really important, like when, when we're talking about like this might be coming from parents, like we're not saying like you suck parents, like this isn't a blame game, but I think it's important to first highlight and to people see to see where the, that belief is coming back from. So maybe like if you're listening to this, maybe you know what that belief is. Maybe you have that thought, you you have that memory of someone saying something to you. Go back and think of like, hey, who was it actually like? Who was saying this to me? Like, what was the situation? Get a good um, picture of the environment. And again, we're not doing this for a blame game, but we want to understand, like, we want to understand where they're coming from. So like, okay, so your your dad said this to you and, and what was dad's upbringing? Like, like maybe reflect on that. Oh, his parents were like, also like maybe they grew up with not a lot of money. And so like, and maybe dad has more money now. And so like, food, food is something like, it's like you finish everything off your plate. Right. And, and so that sort of messaging is passed on and it can be helpful to look at that pattern where it's coming from to first understand like, okay, that's where it's coming from. Next, what needs to happen is, um, well, two things, some reparenting and you're not expected to do this all on your own. Um, this is why it's great to work with a coach, but some reparenting, some inner child healing, giving yourself that love that that little version of you needed at that time. What could you, maybe it means writing like a letter to your younger self, like, and, and starting with that, that belief that you were told and, and then responding with like, what would adult view, adult you, um, respond with that now? So doing inner child healing in that way, bringing yourself a lot of compassion, meeting, learning how to meet your needs as an adult, knowing that that little version of you, that like hurt version of you is still inside of you. And then it's doing the work to break up with the dieting mentality, you know, because you've you've been immersed in this environment and this world where diet culture was rampant and this messaging was very real for you. And now it comes down to like really looking at like, OK, what are the facts here? Because what's being projected towards you isn't actually fact, right? People like your ability to be loved is not based on how you look. So what is the fact here? Right. And so doing the work around like really learning about like what diet culture is, how to how to break free from that, how to start seeing health versus disordered eating and and that sort of thing. And there's a ton of podcasts that you can can listen to to learn more about this. Working with a coach is really helpful and you know, picking up the book Intuitive Eating even um to start really reframing and unlearning and relearning. Yeah, that's really good. You mentioned just there kind of knowing like if your pursuit of health is really disordered. And I think, you know, you kind of mentioned in your own story, like you thought everything that you were doing was healthy, right? And, um, and I kind of had a, you know, I had a very similar experience. I went back to school for nutrition for the same reason, only to really realize it was actually really disordered. But like, I just, and I know it's probably a little bit more in depth, but 
just off the kind of top of your head, like how can someone know if their pursuit of health or their health choices are actually disordered? This is very fitting because an hour before this, I just recorded a podcast on this exact topic. So it's very fresh at the same time. (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) How perfect. Yeah. um, I guess it's very fitting. So yeah, let's start with disordered eating. Disordered, I should just pull up my notes in my script here. Disordered eating it is characterized by maybe eliminating entire food groups so like gluten, dairy, refined sugar, you know, in the name of quote unquote health, even if you don't have a specific condition. If you're using restriction or exercise to to punish yourself for overconsuming foods, if you feel if you subscribe to a label like clean eating, if you eat quote unquote clean during the week and quote unquote junk food on the weekends. Like there's rules around that. If there's like rigid rules around the timing of your meals outside of like a, an actual need for it, it might be a little disordered. And and even notice like, this is an interesting one too, that I, I talk about with my clients a lot. Like if you, it is okay to be interested in health, but also like health health shouldn't be a hobby. You know, if I was listening to a podcast that said, if health is your hobby, go find a new hobby. <laughs> it should not be a hobby. And it has become that, right? Like that feeling of like, of like going into uh, whole foods or health food store. There's like this, this feeling of like betterment and pure purity and alignment. And just like, you know, you already feel like you're doing good for yourself by being in there and you haven't even put a piece of kale or anything in your mouth. And that tells us that like, that is, that's morality. That's, that's a moral piece of, of the health world, right? Which again, becomes problematic because the the minute you exist outside of that, the minute you're having a pizza, well, what does that mean about you? Right? So that would be disorder eating health. It's it's hard to define because health is going to look different from person to person, but I'd say health or a healthy relationship with food can be characterized by a nonchalance around, around food in general, um, giving yourself unconditional permission to enjoy all foods um, that, that feel good to you, honoring food preferences and honoring your hunger when it arises, listening to your body as a whole, not punishing your body with exercise. You'll notice that you're you know, embodying that healthy relationship with food. If you find that you're like not thinking about food 24 seven, if you're not feeling guilty after eating, like not criticizing all your food choices. And when you're first getting out of this cycle, you might notice those thoughts might appear from time to time. And the difference is like, it doesn't mean that you're like back at the very beginning. It's just like diet culture is still always there. That little disorder eating part of your brain might still be there, but you're going to be able to kind of dismantle it easier and more quickly. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, yeah, the whole thing about like health being a hobby, I think is such a big one, because it was totally my hobby. It was like everything. It was like, all I listened to all I consumed, like all I thought about. And um, yeah, it wasn't healthy at all. It becomes your identity. Which again, problematic, because the minute you live outside of that, like this is another one I hear from clients a lot too, is there's fear of, there's like this inner knowing of like, okay, I want to stray from this, but like everyone knows me as the health nut. What if they see me not embodying those characteristics anymore? Like, will I, again, will I still be accepted? Will I still be liked? I'm known as this. I'm celebrated as this. So, you know what I got to say to that? Your friends are going to be really happy that you're not talking about your gluten-free recipes at the party anymore. (laughs) Like, I'm used to like... (laughs) Yeah. I remember like having an argument with my friend about it. And that in hindsight, I'm like, oh my God, like she's probably so happy. I'm not like that anymore. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Like the fact that it's become something for people to connect on and part of 
um, conversation, which also makes it hard to stray from diet culture when it's still existing all around you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and it's not to say that you can't like have an interest in, in some of the stuff or, or like, you know, like there's a few like recipe bloggers that I still really follow because like it's really good food. And I'm like, oh, I want to make that, you know, <laughs> and that's, but it's not this, it's not like, it's not my life anymore. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, one piece of resistance that I always hear that I'm sure you have a great answer to, which is why I wanted to ask you is, is, you know, people kind of will say, like this whole concept of like intuitive eating and like giving yourself permission to eat things. They'll say, well, like, I'll never eat healthy if I'm allowed to eat what I want. Like, if I don't have rules, I will not eat healthy. Like, what is your response to that? Okay, so totally valid that someone would think that because I think that's just like, you don't know that until like you actually experience it. I think I thought that too. The thing, what happens when you give yourself unconditional permission to eat all foods, it doesn't actually mean that you're going to go balls to the walls and 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 eat them all. Maybe at first if you've been deprived of them for a long time, but the act of giving yourself permission to enjoy all foods, the purpose of that is it's kind of like a reverse psychology thing to to neutralize these foods because what happens when you have them off limits when there isn't permission to eat all these foods like someone might not allow themselves to eat bread or eat carbs. And so when those are off limits, you put them on a pedestal and all of a sudden they become the forbidden fruit. And, you know, when someone says you can't have this, what do you want to do? You're like, well, I want that. Give me that. And what happens on on the flips when you give yourself permission to say have carbs when you want to? Well, hey, I know I can have pasta bread when I want to, whenever I want to. But the reality is, is when you actually check in with your your cues and your preferences, you don't want that all the time. People are often blown away like when they hear that like you can genuinely crave a, a food like a, like vegetables, right? And so that's what happens and that's that's the magic here. Like and again, it might sound it is going to sound backer backwards if your idea of health before was like only quote unquote clean foods or only health promoting foods go in your body, right? That world doing that sort of organically doesn't actually exist. The The fact is that we live in a world where all of these foods do exist, right? And they're going to be there. And if you deprive yourself of them, you're going to want them more. But when you neutralize them, you can actually like check in with your cues and you'll find that like you don't actually want those foods all the time, you know, with time. If you're at the beginning of this journey, you, you will be eating them in higher frequency. That's just fact. You know, it's a physiological response to restriction or, or deprivation in any way. But over time, you'll be able to check in with your cues and have this like true happy balance and not an 80-20 balance. It's just like a balance. Yeah, it's always a hard word to say because you're like, because you know people interpret it as like the way that it's, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to call it, but variety, variety. Yeah. And like you, you mentioned something there just about how like that's kind of like the magic of this is is how it really neutralizes foods. And I think that it's it also like it can't be forced. Like, you, you know, you have to be intentional about obviously giving yourself permission and really trying to like challenge beliefs that come up. But you can't like force yourself into that like variety phase. Like it kind of has to like happen organically. Would you agree with that? Totally. Yeah. And like no time limits. Like when I'm working on this with clients, like we do one food at a time. And so actually my client this week asked me like, how long does this process usually take? And I said, I'm not going to tell you a time because then you're going to like set your watch. And if you, if you haven't completed it by then, I know you're going to beat yourself up for it. So 
you know, the the sooner you can let go of the expectation of when it needs to happen, the sooner it will happen for you. Totally, totally. So what's your advice to someone who is who's having trouble really getting past that good for my health versus bad for my health way of looking at food? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I think, I mean, the way I frame it is that while it might seem backwards to allow yourself to have, I call them play foods, to have play foods in your diet and to maybe have chips with a salads per se, the reality is, is like, what's the alternative? You're going to continue to live in this life where you're eating quote unquote clean all the time and restricting and then going on these binging benders, like what's actually healthier at the end of the day. The other thing too, is like, we need to, this is why we need to redefine health. Like what does health actually mean to you? Does health mean that every morsel of food that goes into your body has to be health promoting? And do you want to live that way? I think also we need to recognize that like, no one food can immediately make you healthy, just like no one food can immediately make you unhealthy. And so by establishing and working towards this healthy relationship with food, you will be able to get to a place where you're fueling your body in a way that your body wants to be supported. Like your body, your body's not the enemy. Your body's not trying to sabotage you. Like it's going to tell you what it needs and wants. And I think the sooner you can do things or rather not soon, don't put a time limit on it, but like when you meet your body with compassion, when you stop resisting it and fighting it and do things to actually support it and make it feel good, your body can, your body's just like, ah, like it's not in this like fight or flight all the time of like, ah, you're starving me. Ah, like how come, how come we're working out right now? I wanted to rest. Like, like live in harmony with your body and I promise your body will love you back. And, and that's health for you. And this is why it's also important to not compare because health is going to look different from, from one person to the next. So good. I was just like starring that because I was like, oh, we're going to make that a quote for the show. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's uh, that makes so much sense. And it is like it is such an individual thing. And um, yeah, you mentioned like, you know, no one food can make you healthy or unhealthy. And I think it's also like if you're stressed out when you're eating something, like that's not healthy either. <laughs> like if you're eating a salad and you're like, this is sucks. I don't really want this. Like this is gross or I'm not eating. I'm not giving my body enough food because maybe my body really needs carbohydrates. Like that's not healthy either. It kind of negates like the nutrients in the food. And then like conversely, like if you're enjoying you know, ice cream with friends, and it's like this really joyful, pleasurable experience, like, there may not be like, I mean, even I could argue that ice cream, there's like, you know, there's stuff in it that's gonna like keep your body going and give you fuel and whatnot. But like the actual, like pleasure experience of it, like that is healthy. (laughs) So like, you can always argue it one way or the other. Yeah, it's interesting, you mentioned that about stress, because when I was Um, neutralizing foods myself, coffee was actually one of the last foods that I had to neutralize, which seems like a a weird one. But I think in the holistic nutrition world, it was like, coffee's bad. You should drink dandy blend or else you're going to screw up your adrenals. And so, but I loved coffee. I loved the taste of it. And every time I had it, I was just like, oh my gosh, Rach, like you're, you're screwing up your adrenals. And as a result, I'd feel so jittery. I'd like have to be running to the washroom. And then someone called me out on it one day. They're like, you actually have a funny relationship with coffee. I was like, you're right. And from that point forward, I started to just like allow myself to enjoy it and remind myself that like 
this, like, this is not, there's so many other things I can do to support my adrenal health. Like this coffee isn't going to make or break everything. Not to mention, I haven't even done testing. So I didn't even know the state of my adrenals. And once I allow myself to have it, like I can have coffee now without any issue. And of course, if I'm more stressed some days, then I'm going to, I'm going to feel it. So it's just like, it's just checking in on like, you know, the, the attitude that you bring to food is going to impact how it plays out in your body. And, uh, and so like, when is it, the right time for someone to maybe be more intentional with like incorporating some health or nutrition behavior changes? Yeah, I would say you you need to really be at a good place with with your relationship with food. I work with people on a four month basis because it does take time to unlearn so much of this. And nutrition is the very last thing that we we address. And even at some point, there's still more work that's that's required there. But um, I'd say like you need to really have a strong foundation of um being, being free from the diet mentality, not entirely, like doesn't mean that you can't ever think a diet mentality thought again, like they still come up for me even, but again, you're going to be better, more equipped to, to manage them and handle them. So when timing wise, hard to, hard to put the timeline on that, but I would just say like, once you, once you feel, Hmm, this is a good question, Summer, I guess like once you feel like you're more out of that that dieting mentality that you're you're doing things for for you and not for anyone else. You're not doing it to be holier than thou. You have a strong why behind your your decisions for yourself. Like they're really in the name of supporting yourself and and supporting supporting how you what feels best for you. Yeah, and I don't think it's always black and white, right? Like I think it's like you know, you got to just be really like take it in baby steps and just be really mindful. And like, if it feel it starts to feel triggering or starts to feel diety, then just stop. Like, I think it's that's that's a part of it, too. It's just it, it's not like there's this line in the sand where it's like, OK, <laughs> OK, you passed that test. You can go on to nutrition land. Yeah, exactly. I think that's why it was hard for me to answer that because I was like, when do we it, it goes into that? Like, when do we arrive thing? It's like, well, you never really arrive, but. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, No, but I think to your point of just like not looking at food through that good or bad lens or having that judgment or guilt or or like having that really strong association with your, you know, with what it does to your body. um, That's probably the biggest things. Those are probably the biggest things. And so like, how can someone start to do that in a non-triggering way? Do you have any suggestions? Yeah, I really like to... um when it comes to, you know, inviting nutrition back in or considering nutrition again, always coming from the perspective of, of adding, what are things that I can add to make me, to support me, to make me feel good, knowing that restriction is going to create that that urgency or desire for for the opposite. I think that can be really helpful. You know, continuing, like constantly checking yourself, like, am I doing this to be a health martyr right now or to be to be holier than thou? Like, I think welcoming in like all foods. So like someone, again, my client was mentioning this the other night. She's like, I really want to have like chips with a sandwich, but I feel like I should only have the chips. I'm like, no, the more you can normalize that, then bring in um, those, both of those foods at the same time or having like fries with a salad, like, like more of that, just kind of like breaking the, the quote unquote health rules and bringing in that, that variety and just paying attention to like what, what feels good and what doesn't. And, you know, we are, we're not the same person every day. Our needs change every day. So you might find like, oh, this this food feels really good for me right now. I'm really I'm, I'm really feeling this right now. And then you might be like, oh, I 
Like I'm going to eat this, these overnight oats for breakfast for the rest of my life. And it's like, no, your body, like your body's needs change. And so just always checking in, like, what do I need on a given day? Especially for menstruating, menstruating women, knowing that like our, our needs change through our cycle, that sort of thing. Yes. Yes. That's a big one. <laughs> yes. I, I hear that one so much, like, how come I'm eating all the things? And even I used to do this too for, with myself and now I track my cycle and I'm like, oh, okay, this is where we're at. Like body needs more energy. Let's go. Yeah. And movement too. Like if you move more, you eat more. And I, I think that's like one of the biggest like damaging beliefs of diet culture is this idea that like the whole like eat less, move more. It's like those things don't go together at all. Like if you move more, you're going to yeah. eat more. <laughs> you can't fight that. And I hear people who feel like kind of like, you know, shame over that, but it's like, well, you know, then they'll tell me they went on like a two hour hike. And I'm like, yeah, no wonder you're eating a lot. Like I would be too. That's <laughs> your focus. Your body needs it. <laughs> well, this has been so helpful. Thank you so much for being here today. Where can people find more oh, of you, Rachel? Thanks for having me, Summer. I'm so glad we finally got to do this. So I'm at Rachel and Melinda everywhere. Um, and that's R-A-C-H-E-L-M-M-O-L-E-N-D-A. Um, there's a middle initial there. So Rachel and Melinda on Instagram, Facebook, my website, rachelandmelinda.com. And then I have a podcast, the Fill Your Cup podcast that's available anywhere you get your podcasts. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. It's been such a pleasure. And yeah, I'll, I'll talk to you later. Rock on. Thanks, Summer. Bye. I really enjoyed that one. There was a lot of great stuff to take away there. You can find all the links and resources mentioned and connect with Rachel by going to summerinandin.com forward slash 197. I can't believe we're almost at 200 episodes. I feel like I should do something special for it, but I I don't know what I'm going to come up with. I also kind of need a break. So <laughs> I might just, it might just be a regular episode and we'll do something more special when, when my, my hiatus is over and we start the new season in the fall. We will see. Anyways, thank you so much for listening today. I really appreciate you. Um, we'll be back with another episode, few episodes before this season ends for the year and then comes back in the fall. Okay, rock on. I'm Summer Inanin, and I want to thank you for listening today. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Summer Inanin. And if you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts, search Eat the Rules, and subscribe, rate, and review this show. I would be so grateful. Until next time, rock on.